everyone, and welcome to the Launchpad podcast series. My name is Taylor Holloway, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Kim Gilliard. Together, we make up the multimedia team for Launchpad for Success, a year-long experience devoted, devoted to helping students as you went through your career development and mentoring opportunities. This series aims to give you advice and access to experts to help you chart your course to a successful postgraduate experience at the College of Charleston. This is the first of four episodes scheduled for the semester, so check in monthly to hear from our special guest. For additional career advice and general tips on success, subscribe to Launchpad Mentorship Collective blog and take advantage of resources available through Launchpad's Oaks course. Keep in mind that Launchpad was created for you. Any feedback is necessary, and we highly recommend that you send in any questions that you would like to have featured on the show. Without further ado, let's get this show on the road. So today we will be talking about program coordination. That is a major job for nonprofits and the private sector. This is a great field for students eager to break into the world of nonprofit management, event planning, or even local, state, or federal government opportunities. This also provides opportunity for private sector jobs if you would like to take that route. Indeed describes program coordination as a person that manages a program's employees and handles administrative tasks such as managing and maintaining the program's budget, determining and implementing policies and procedures, managing program-related internal and external communications, and organizing and maintaining the program's agenda. According to salary.com, nonprofit program, ah, nonprofit program coordinators can make between 46 to 76,000 a year but on average, they make 46,500 a year. To help us unpack this career path, please welcome today's guest, Kim Gilliard. Hey guys. <laughs> she is the program corrector. She is the program coordinator for the Office of Institutional Diversity. Kim, thank you so much for being here. We're excited to have you and to learn about some of the roles that you play um, for the school specifically. Um, to start off, I'd like to do a little icebreaker. Okay. Um, so I would like to ask you, if you had to create a slogan for your life, <laughs> what would it be? And it could be professionally or, you know, personally. Oh man. Um, take the bull by the horns. <laughs> it's the first thing that comes to mind. I'm very ambitious. So... <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. Like, that's what we like, you know? <laughs> Take the bull by the horns. I like that. I really do. Um, so, you know what? Just tell us a little bit about yourself, you know? Tell us where you went to school, you know, what you study. Okay. What you're doing now. Um, so, I went to undergrad. Um, I went to Francis Marion. It's a tiny school up in Florence, South Carolina. Um, there, I studied history and I minored in journalism. I thought I wanted to go into PR. Um, and around that time, the economy tanked, and so did journalism. So, <laughs> so I <laughs> took a, a career path that kind of led me to public service. 
Um, and from there, I started working for the city of Charleston. I'd interned with them as an undergrad for two summers and really loved um, working with the public. Mm -hmm. um, so I got to still work in PR, but doing something a little bit more meaningful, I felt like. Um, so my first job was working in housing and community development, doing outreach. Mm. Um, and, and I'm from Charleston, so it was really cool and I felt like it was a privilege to work for my city. Um, from there, there's a lot of red tape working in local government and I felt like I needed a better understanding of why there was always a no for the things I wanted to do. Um, so about eight years after undergrad, I went back to school and I got my master's in public administration from the college. Um, and around that time, I actually started working at the college as well um, in the Office of Institutional Diversity, first starting out as the administrative assistant um, and then working my way up to the role that I'm currently in now. Oh, wow, that's amazing. <laughs> so like, it's, it's kind of like you went all over the place with that one, right? Yeah. Like, you didn't have like a straight shot of like what you want to do or anything like that. Nope. Um, so, you know, you said you started as a office administrator. Mm -hmm. How did you kind of bridge from that into going into program coordination? Like, So there's a lot of overlap actually, like um, program coordinating as I do it is, is very administratively driven. Um, so pre-COVID, we would bring in speakers and we would have events. And so a lot of that is, you know, doing honorariums, preparing contracts. So a lot of paperwork just to get the event, you know, up and running. And then you've got payment for food and catering orders and things right. like that. So there's a lot of that. Like if you're ever interested in going into event coordination, it's going to be a lot of that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and then the, the big grand thing that you see all that has paperwork behind it so oh man <laughs> paperwork <laughs> that's administration for you okay yeah. I understand. um so you would say that you know even as an office assistant mm -hmm. you considered yourself to be a leader in what you were doing um so that was a journey so my previous <laughs> boss um he was he really stressed, like, he he was really interested in young black professionals becoming leaders. Okay. And so I feel like he just kind of really took me under his wing um, and gave me a lot of opportunities to lead our student employees. So we would have, under him, we used to hire, like, six kids, at, six students at a time. Um, and so there I really got the opportunity to, like, delegate assignments and um, help them with, you know, their tasks throughout the day, approve timesheets. Um, and then as people kind of started coming and going in the department, I took on more responsibility. So he kind of threw me in the fire. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> under, I think three presidents ago, George Benson, um, we had something called the President's Commission on Diversity, Access, Equity, and Inclusion. So it was a committee of 30 campus administrators, everyone from the provost to people that worked at the Avery. and. I served as their executive support person, so I was only taking minutes during that meeting, but it was still a lot of opportunity, I felt like, to, to lead. Mm -hmm. um, and then when he left, Dr. Harris came in, and I still feel like I, I he was helping me you know, develop as a leader, um, but his was more in terms of, um, like he gave me an opportunity to present at a conference, and that was something I'd never done before. 
Um, what was the conference, if you don't mind me asking? So it was, um, it's called the National Association for Student Pro Student Affairs Professionals. Okay. Um, so it was him, myself, and then the director and assistant director of NSPS. Mm -hmm. um, and we, we wrote a presentation and then we presented a session um, at this conference that was focused on diversity on campus. That's so cool. Yeah, it was really cool. What a great <laughs> opportunity. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's like this real, like like a common theme for, you know, young students and professional development is leadership. Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm kind of emphasizing it a lot. Mm -hmm. um, so you said that Renard kind of took you under your, under his wing to kind of show you what his definition of leadership is. Mm -hmm. Do you have a definition of what leadership is or like what that kind of entails and takes? So I think it's a double-edged sword. I think leaders need to be mentors also. Okay. Um, and I think that, I think you have to know what situation you're in, um, in terms of your organization. Um, and under him, I would say that I've learned that leadership can be empowering. So like, I've had to learn over the years to trust people with things that I delegate to them. Mm -hmm. um, under my previous boss, like though I learned a lot from him, he was very top-down hierarchical. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that doesn't actually work with a lot of young people because it kind of feels autocratic and detached. Mm -hmm. um, so building relationship is, is more important, working more alongside people. Right, that networking helps. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I always keep that in mind about like the networking and everything. But um, it's very interesting that you say that because um, I know as I'm studying in school, we learn a lot about different um, learning types and leadership types. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I found even in my studies that the hierarchical approach is not really, you know, it doesn't really do that much as far as like developing your employees. Right. So, you know, when you're looking for your job and you're looking for kind of what you want to do, you got to look into like the structure of the organization as well. So, you know, it's very interesting to keep in mind about that um, mm -hmm. as your career, you're looking for your career and everything. <laughs> um, so how has your field or your job impacted by diversity like how do we bring that all together so I think just by the nature of what where I work mm -hmm. um so the, the focus is diversity and it's been really cool because it's not just race mm -hmm. um that we're focusing on so we've done everything from health disparities to women of color um of course we did LGBTQ mm -hmm. um we've covered Hispanics, mm -hmm. um, access to education. So it's, it's been broad. So that's made it fun. Um, because we're not just talking about black and white all the time. Right. Which is really important. And, um, is there any way to kind of make sure that it's not too narrow when you're like trying to get these diverse topics on the table? Do you have any methods? Um, so I would say maybe you start with a core topic. So let's say it is race. Mm -hmm. But then you look at what are the uh, who who's impacted by that. So right. that could be people in poverty, or that could be, you know, immigrants, or that could be white people needing to learn how to, you know, interact with different groups. 
Right. Um, so I, I think like you can always have your central issue, but then just have like those subtopics that make it broader for everyone to want to learn about it. Very good. Uh, thank you so much. I know like that gets kind of, you know, complicated, but we want to make sure that, you know, everybody's represented. Mm -hmm. So that was very good insight to let us know. Start small or start with broad and then narrow it in. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. <laughs> um, so do you have any advice that you would like to share with the students that are listening? Um, follow your passion. I believe really um, very strongly in that. Um, so I've never been one of those people who just takes a job because of what it pays, which I think really makes my parents frustrated. <laughs> I'm like, wow. <laughs> I want to have both. I want to have a good quality of life, but I also want to enjoy what I do because I'm going to be doing that for eight hours a day, five days a week. <laughs> right, right. And sometimes more. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's, it's just never been, you know, my thing to want to come to work just to get a check. So make sure that you're passionate about it and that it pays you well. Mm. Okay, well, thank you so much. Um, I feel like we've learned a lot. Would you like to um, talk about some of the initiatives that you have going on on campus? So currently we are doing Launchpad for Success. That's a partnership with OID, my department, and the Career Center, the Center for Excellence in Peer Education, and the Office of Multicultural Student Programs and Services. Mm -hmm. um, Trying to think, what else am I doing this year? I feel like that's been it. <laughs> you know, with Corona, it's just like you're doing a lot. Yeah. But um, okay. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Um, this is the part where we have a student question and answer. Okay, I'll play the student. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got a question. Um, and then yeah. But that's <laughs> so um, thank you guys for joining in and listening to our podcast. Um, special thanks to Kim for taking out the time to come and talk to us about some of the stuff that she does. If you have any more questions for Kim or me, you know, you can always shoot us an email and we'll give you um, some more information about kind of what she does and see where you would like to go if you want to go down this path of program coordination. Thank you so much. Bye guys. <laughs>
Subscribe to the Launchpad Mentorship blog and take advantage of resources available through Launchpad's Oaks course. Without further ado, let's get this show on the road. Today we'll be talking about Arts Management, one of the fastest growing majors at CFC. A great field for students to and eager to break into the world of nonprofit management, event planning, or even local, state, or federal government, opportunities abound, especially in a city like ours, for those looking to connect with professionals in the field. According to the College of Charleston's Arts Management Program webpage, this area of study equips students with tools needed to become leaders, managers, and integral members of arts organizations. Through courses taken in this major, students learn about management, decision-making, and problem-solving while developing knowledge of fundraising, marketing, programming, policy, governance, and volunteer management. The Bureau Bureau of Labor Statistics reports that long-term earnings in the field can average up to $94,220 a year. To help us unpack this versatile career path, please welcome today's guest, Taylor Holloway. Hi guys, I'm happy to be here. (laughs) So Taylor, can you tell me about yourself, where you went to school, what you studied, and what you're doing now? Of course. Um, So originally I am from Columbia, South Carolina, um, and I started my undergrad degree at the College of Charleston in 2015, um, and I was a violin major. So like most recent graduates. I had no idea what I was going to do. <laughs> um, and it's, it's really a funny story because um, Karen Chandler, she's the program director for the Arts and Management Certificate here at the college. Um, she was at the graduation party for the artist students. She came up to me and she was like, so what are you going to do after graduation? And, you know, <laughs> I loathe that question because I was like, I have no idea. <laughs> you know, I, I knew I wanted to you know, continue playing the violin, but I also wasn't really confident in my ability just yet to put myself out there. So I looked at her and I was like, no idea, (laughs) really do not know. And she was like, well, I have this program called um, Arts and Cultural Management Certificate. And she told me that it was just a year long program, 15 credits, um, graduate level. And I didn't have to take the GRE, um, I didn't have to do all like that extra stuff to um, get into graduate school. I just kind of, she kind of pushed me into the certificate and it was an easy process. So I decided, why not? Let me try it. And I actually fell in love with it. Um, and yeah, so right now um, I'm currently getting my master's in public administration with the arts and cultural management certificate, just because I wanted to beef up my resume and kind of, you know, provide more opportunity for myself. That's great. So two things there. So you were in the honors college when you were here? No. Oh, I thought you said honors college. No, it's it's okay. It's okay. (laughs) I was, no, I was just um, a violin player. Okay. Well, so on that, um, so there's some diversity opportunity there because you don't hear about too many students of color, at least that I know of, playing right. the violin. It's usually other instruments. So how did you get into that? So um, I started playing the violin when I was 12. Um, and I started through the public school thing. Um, 
where it kind of requires you to take some type of art form. Mm -hmm. um, orchestra was available to us, and you know, I thought, you know, why not? And I fell in love with it. Um, I just thought it was just so cool. And I love, you know, having the ability to play with other people. Um, so I just kind of continued it throughout my life. But I will make it known that I did not always think that I would pursue music um, as strongly as I did. Because I didn't think that that was something available for someone like me, you know, because I am a minority, you know. And I never thought that, you know, I could pursue this path because no one ever told me that I could. So it was crazy. I don't know what happened when I got on campus and I toured the um, School of Art in the business, or in the um, building and everything. And I talked to uh, Professor Hart, who is the um, department head of the music department. Mm -hmm. And I just, you know, I fell in love with it all over again. And I was like, I have to do this. Mm -hmm. So basically, you know, I was kind of on a whim, but here I am. Yeah. So, and you also mentioned um, Karen Chandler, who is a heavyweight <laughs> in Charleston and at the College of Charleston as far as diversity is concerned with regard to the arts. Yes. Um, and you mentioned, which I think is so important, seeing yourself in something. And so how did having her speak encouraging words to you about arts management um, just impact your overall young professional experience? Yeah, you know, I think what really helped me was, you know, I told her I was honest and I told her like I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> and she basically gave me options. And I just really appreciated that because, you know, you you'll tell people all the time like yeah I don't know what I'm doing and they'll be like oh you'll figure it out <laughs> whereas she was like okay I can kind of help you figure some things out here's what I have to offer mm -hmm. and I found that to be very compelling and it really made me feel like she cared about what I was going to do um and how I was going to move forward so kind of like affirmative action type of thing it was like an unofficial affirmative action because I'm sure she wasn't like scouting me out or anything. She just kind of <laughs> saw me in the corner <laughs> and just decided to talk to me. So oh. I just found it to be very compelling. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So um, how has the how has the field of arts management impacted by diversity? You think so? Just my observation. Um, I know in the nonprofit world in Charleston, a lot of leadership is white and it's mm -hmm. female. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> so it's very interesting. Um, I said before, I was kind of, um, I was required to take music. Um, but I've also said that I didn't think that was something available to me because, um, you know, I, I didn't have private lessons. Like I didn't have the money to do that, like many other musicians. Um, and... I just didn't know about this entire world that's out here mm -hmm. um, just because you know no one told me and that's just like a common thing when it comes to the arts mm -hmm. um, so I honestly did not know about arts management until Karen told me about it so I think like the big issue here when it comes to diversity is about you know letting it be known that these are options to take you know um, and it's about 
I said a little bit about affirmative action. Mm-hmm. I feel like if we were able to, you know, scout out some people and we were able to, you know, tell them about what we have to offer, that it'll make a huge difference and it'll kind of change things up. So, um, big emphasis on affirmative action, I think. Great. Um, so what advice would you like to share with students who are listening? Oh man, <laughs> life is a journey, okay? <laughs> I did not expect to be here right now. Um, and it's okay to be honest with yourself and just, or honest with other people as well and just say, hey, I have no idea what I want to do. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, and it'll be very beneficial to you. Um, and for my young artist, um, who's probably in school for some music or you paint or you know whatever, um, I say if you don't feel as comfortable um, in yourself and you want to kind of expand your practice without break the bank because you know you still gotta pay bills um i think arts manager is perfect for you because you'll still be in the art side of it you'll just be more on the administrative side and for me i still practice every day you know i still um do my scales (laughs) um i still have like a routine with my music but it doesn't really you know make me feel like i'm not a part of the arts and that's where I want to be. So if you um, want to, you know, do something else or if you just want to give yourself some more time, I think arts management is perfect for you. So can you share um, one last question where you hope that your post-grad experience will take you in the field? Okay. <laughs> like Karen Channel, I would still say, I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, I have done so so um through the arts management program i was offered um different opportunities so i worked a little bit with the charleston symphony orchestra as being uh kind of like a stagehand um i also work at the charleston gilliard center as a house and venue manager which means that you know i kind of keep control of patrons and ushers and i make sure that the show is running smoothly um and I've also done some work at Satilli Theater as like an intern, kind of helping out with administration administration processes there. So um, I'm kind of still all over the place, but you know, being in this major has kind of consolidated what I wanted to do. I know for sure that I wanted to be in some type of performance venue. Um, I would love to do production for, um, you know, a theater or an orchestra group or something like that. Um, but, you know, I'm still figuring it out. <laughs> At least it's like I have a general idea of what I want to do, though. <laughs> yeah, I think that's awesome. It's a it's a broad field, and it's obviously it's fun work, so yeah. that, that's huge. Yeah, and you know, there's, you know, I'm just looking at production, but there's also development and fundraising, which is basically like you grant write and... Um, you come up with different events to raise money for your nonprofit organization. Um, there's production I talked about. There's um, ticketing, um, where you know you keep track of who's coming, um, keep track of tickets. 
things of that nature. There's education and outreach. Um, so you can come up with programming for uh, students in the area. Um, and, you know, just kind of depending on your organization, um, you can make specific programs for that. Um, and yeah, there's just like, it's, it's broad. So there's a lot of different options to choose from. Well, thank you, Taylor. Yeah. And thank you guys for listening. We hope to see you next month. All right. Thanks, guys, for having me.